Hello, everybody, and welcome to Every Week in a Movie, the podcast about movies that we watch every weekend. My name is Ben Harris. I'm joined by my co-host, who is back, Taylor back Becker. better than ever. Yeah, we took last week off and uh, because I was out of town, down at the old Salt Lake, hanging out, having a good time. Uh, but we're back and ready to just just the wander mediocre. through our imaginations about movies for like an hour and hopefully uh, not have any structure at all because who needs structure? Am I right or am I right? You are right. Yeah, so this weekend we talked about, uh, we went and saw Isle of Dogs. I love dogs in Isle of Dogs. That's a very fun thing that was probably purposeful. Um, directed by Wes Anderson, uh, just plenty of stars in this movie. Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum. You just kind of the the usual Edward Norton, excuse me, the usual Wes Anderson cast, because he kind of has the same people. Owen Wilson wasn't in this one, which is a surprise to me, because he's in, yeah, <laughs> he's in most of them, but... Uh, just kind of the typical Wes Anderson cast. Edward Norton seems to be in everything that Wes Anderson does, along with Jeff Goldblum. Um, but yeah, pretty pretty solid flick. How'd you feel about it? Yeah, it was super solid. Um, it was so much fun. It felt like a weird sequel to Fantastic Mr. Fox, but it wasn't. It had just a lot of the same dialogue, but that just I mean it's a Wes Anderson movie. Being it's a mm-hmm. very it's the most Wes Anderson movie I've seen. That's yeah. how I describe it. I have a confession. Go ahead. I've never seen Fantastic Mr. Fox. That's... I don't even know how... That's that's bad. You need to see it. So I feel like I'm not allowed to talk about this movie until seeing that one, but here we go, folks. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all. Um, Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I'm not, like, giant fan of Wes Anderson. I enjoy his stuff, but I haven't seen a lot of his movies. I've seen... Grand Budapest Hotel, Moonrise Kingdom, and this one. Um, so I I haven't seen his entire filmography. I'm not like crazy or anything, uh, but I enjoyed it. It was very like style driven, which I think was one of my favorite parts of this film. It's like every I think it's just typical in you know Wes Anderson movies. It's such a visually intriguing uh, medium that he puts out to where every single scene is just eye catching and really interesting to look at it was so beautiful what a beautiful movie like even if you don't like i don't know how you went like the story or the dialogue but if you didn't like the story or the dialogue it's it's just so beautiful and you could just see how much work went into every single frame and it's just it's something to look at for sure definitely like the just the amount of color that was used like just i, I don't know like thematically and like the visuals had such a like a story driven look to them if that makes sense like a lot of kind of like metaphors when it came to like uh the you know like the the cherry blossoms on the trees and like just the visuals added a lot to the um the story itself and the plot itself and like that's so interesting it was so interesting they did the so they had the claymation or what the stop motion puppeteers and stuff like that. And then on like the TVs and stuff like that. And sometimes they would have different little animations that were like 2d, but they were still like, you still feel like it was in the same world. Like I wasn't taken back. Like I was like, Oh, that kind of looks like it's on TV. Like it's like this little hand drawing stuff, 
when they're showing like the crowd reactions um, to Mayor yeah. Kobayashi's like declare decor declarations and stuff like that. Um, so that's interesting to have the two, and then the whole language thing is also super interesting. Um, they spoke mostly in Japanese, except when there was a, an interpreter. But you didn't like. I don't think I was missing out on something when uh, the little pilot um, was speaking in Japanese. Like the dogs would kind of take over the conversation and stuff like that. Um, I never felt like I was missing out in the story because I couldn't. There was like a language barrier. Yeah, I found that was like that was something that was very interesting. Was like when something needed to be translated, it was. Um, and, and in a I clever way. How- yeah, I liked how it wasn't just, like, subtitles on the bottom of the screen. Like, sometimes it was, but a lot of the times it was, like, an actual translator or, like, one of the characters was holding, like, a like an audio translator thing that, uh, like, typed it out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just, like, very, like, organic when it came to helping the audience understand what these people are saying. And even when, even when like, we didn't understand what they were saying i think there were certain points like when uh, you know atari kobayashi is like just yelling at these dogs and being angry like you can tell what he's trying to get at like the scene where they're all in the the they're all in like the little uh sake bottle fort or whatever yeah which was very like visually i really loved just the amount of color in that scene but when he's yelling at the dogs to when he's yelling at the dogs to sit and it it kind of adds just like an element to this to the film of like you're like just working in your brain trying to figure out what these people are saying i thought that was a very very interesting choice on wes anderson's part to have these dogs like the barking translated to english um but have most of the japanese dialogue in it which was a lot like Mm -hmm. not translated i think going into the film i expected there to be a little bit but i didn't expect there to be as much of a of a role of like the native Japanese uh, language that it, it took a much more prominent role than I expected it to. And ch- like those Asian languages are so interesting because any movie that has like Spanish or has French or has, you know, any of those languages, like a Latin languages, like as English speakers, I think we could pick up on some of the, we can get some of the tones. There's like certain words that are pretty universal and stuff like that. But when it comes to Chinese, Japanese, any like Asian language, I have, I'm lost. There's nothing I ever pick up. The mm-hmm. tones, the dialects are so just so much different than any Western like Latin language. So it's like it's super interesting because I can't remember a movie we just saw recently where there's a lot of it was in Spanish. Um, but I could like understand some Spanish because I've taken some Spanish. I'm around Spanish. I'm never around Chinese, Japanese. So it's just like you you can like really be taken away and really have to use like context clues of what they're to understand and it makes you like watch the movie instead of just like being in the theater just kind of sitting there you like watching you're seeing what they could possibly be meaning but they mm-hmm. i thought they made it pretty clear they weren't making you work hard to understand the movie but uh mm-hmm. it was just it was so interesting to use language as like another character in the story yeah definitely i think like it it interests me to like watch it again and maybe <laughs> I say this like it'd, it'd be interesting if I watch this again with like a fluent understanding of Japanese, <laughs> um, but I know that's not like a realistic thing that I'll probably ever achieve. But it makes you kind of wonder like how much like knowing that language would add to the story and um, those uh, you know parts of the dialogue that aren't necessarily essential to understanding the film would be interesting to you know hear and realize. Like watching the entire movie with like 
full subtitles would be would be a, an interesting way to watch it. And it was one of the few movies, like, when I go see a movie in the theater, I don't, most of the time I'm like, eh, I don't really want to see that again. Like, I saw it and I enjoyed it, I don't need to see it again. But yeah. this is definitely one of those movies where I was like, wow, I want to watch this again because there's just so many probably little details that, I missed the first time through because there's just so much to look at. Like there's so much detail on every single shot. Um, especially like some of the big, like more like shots that kind of showed like the setting, um, rather than just the characters. Like there was just so much to look at. I felt a little like overwhelmed, but that's what makes these movies so interesting. Cause like you have, if you mm-hmm. have a big set production, you could have those continuity errors where there's a diet Coke can here in one scene and then it's gone the next scene. You're like, Oh, what, what happened? You know, but I mean, there's that's in between takes and someone removes it. But when you're painstakingly moving like a millimeter, every in between every frame, you've made the whole set, you have complete control of the whole set. So there shouldn't be those little continuity errors, but that also means that there's every little detail was handmade yeah. meant to be seen. So there's gotta be, I'm guessing there's just a bunch of Easter eggs of some, of some, you know, stature, within the movie mm-hmm. and that there's just a bunch of like little like the sake bottles and stuff like that just like these little details that if you don't know a lot about japanese culture you might not pick up on but if you go back and watch it you could see like little references to to the culture and stuff like that so that's so interesting to me yeah i, th- I thought it was interesting that um this the style of the entire movie when it came to like the action scenes um were very much like at some points i really did feel like i was watching like you know like a like a Japanese like action flick, just a lot of the ways that the camera was used and like the music. Um, and a lot of the action was like, it was, it felt very akin to like that, like Japanese like style of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought, I thought that was neat. I thought the humor was so good too. Such a funny movie yeah so so like the rumor thing the rumor thing i was cracking up every time it came up like oh i heard a rumor mm-hmm. oh, oh, oh what'd you hear from but it's i can't believe you haven't seen phantasm mr fox it's so it's I like the it. same humor it's the same dialogue it's the same like pace the same conversations the same like blunt just face-to-face conversation dialogue and this movie is mm-hmm. the same thing but it was george clooney and the other one so you have george clooney just being so charismatic and stuff like that um but it was just so but then one of my favorite scenes that i wish they would have just so the, you have the dogs, you have Chief, Rex, King, Boss, and Duke, and uh, Chief and Atari are on the other, uh, I don't know what to call it, carrying thing. Yeah. And and then it looks like the uh, Rex, King, Boss, and Duke just die. Uh-huh. And it was so sudden. It was like, so, like, anticlimactic. Well, like, I was it just, just like, happened. oh, my God. And I looked at my brother, I'm like, <laughs> did they just die? And I wish they would have, to be honest, because they weren't necessary for the rest of the film. And they, they only show like one scene where they're in that place, and that he had a funny line when they're in there. He's like, "Well, if it was working, we'd probably be dead by now," um, <laughs> which was yeah. funny. But they were—I thought they I were like, just so unnecessary. But the theater that I was in, like, I I heard like a few audible gasps. It was just like, "Oh my god, did they just that? Did they just get incinerated?" And it seriously just, just felt like up? that. It was so funny. It's like, let's take a vote. I I I, and then you just <laughs> right into there. Yeah, I just I loved the dynamic between the dogs like it was it was interesting i mean i don't know most animal movies for me i just i don't get into but i feel like west anderson is very different and like they really you know they felt real and the conversations that they had were quirky and fun and like like you know it's like wow this is a pack of dogs that have been hanging out for like a while and i absolutely loved brian cranston's 
character playing as chief so much because he's just this like gruesome like he's like the heisenberg of dogs really i uh, bite yeah and i i thought just like his character transformation like throughout the film like i i loved the scene where he like gives like it's his black grizzly dog and he gives him a bath and it's like you know he's like a white spotted dog just yeah, like the one he's looking for yeah and when it hit that point i was, I was almost like, so oh. disappointed I was like, no, it, come on. <laughs> like, that's a conventional trope that's used all the time. You were with the dog you wanted the whole time. Yeah, I was almost but so pissed off. It didn't play out that way. Like, I, I like how they ended it because I just, I wanted, I, I wanted Spots to be a very real good boy. And in the end, in the beginning, they kind of trip you out with that too, where they're like, oh, yep, this is the dog. It's, we couldn't open his cage. Yeah. Oops. He's I'm been like, oh, here the whole time. Sense. Yeah. Um, so, like, I thought, like, as soon as it hit that point where it's like, oh, this dog has been dead the whole time, I thought the movie was going to take, like, have, like, an entirely different plot than I thought it was going to, but it turned out to be pretty similar, like. I had no idea where it was going, yeah. Yeah, it was, I think that was a good part of this movie, was, like, it wasn't predictable like i really didn't have any idea where things were going when most of the time i can go oh well this is gonna happen but there were a few points of wow i did not i did not expect that i did not expect them to like the the cannibal dogs to not be cannibal dogs that's yeah. like i was the oracle is so funny oh yes that that entire what jupiter and oracle those yeah. were uh, <laughs> just <laughs> watching the tv <laughs> Her visions. No, she says understanding of the TV. Yeah, I... I definitely, like, throughout the film... This movie was not a kid's movie. Um, and I think... I think that's something that, like... Was very... Is very interesting when it comes to, like, animation. And, uh, like, you know, kids taking... Oh, it's a fun movie about dogs. In reality, it's, like, pretty, like, gruesome at times. And definitely not, like... A lot of the the themes could not be really taken away from, like a child, kids. Yeah, I thought, I uh, like the some of the trailers that were before the movie were very interesting to me because it was like these kind of like weird like indie films, like that new Melissa McCarthy one that's coming out, mm-hmm. um, and then like kind of, you know, quirky indie Wes Anderson style, like, just indie films, and then, like, Hotel Transylvania 3. It's like, yeah. this is an animation movie. Let's let's put kids' animation movies in front of it. So it's just kind of, like, a weird <laughs> weird thing. It It's... I think Fantastic Mr. Fox had, like, the same situation when it came out. Um, it, it looks like a kids' movie, and it just isn't. And so it's unfortunate if someone walks into it I mean, it's not mm-hmm. it's not Deadpool. It's not like that level of oh my god, this is not a kids movie. This is just more right. your kids might not enjoy it. It's not like I think it's visually appealing to us. It's a beautiful like aesthetic movie, but it's not bright and colorful and happy and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like I mean, I'm just scrolling through the IMDb here because it says it beat uh, Coraline for the longest stop motion movie of all time by two minutes. But Coraline's kind of the same way. Coraline terrified me. Yeah, very scary. And it came out in 2009, so I was, mm-hmm. like, 11 or 10 years old. And I was like, this movie is terrifying. 
So I think it, yeah, all like, these stop motion movies kind of have like the same not problem, but they just they you think there are kids movies, but they're really not. Yeah. Yeah, most Tim Burton stop motion kind of spooked me out a little bit when I was a kid. Very like dark and sinister, and I think yeah, I think like stop motion or claymation is just a very interesting medium because it when it's used, it's not necessarily like oh fun little kid uh, animation. Like it's kind of a much more. I mean, not to say that normal three D animation that we usually see isn't painstakingly worked on, but it's a very uh, specific style. And I think it uh, it presents a lot more you can do with it and a lot more, like, artistic leeway when it comes to, like, story. Like, to where if you have, like, a normal 3D movie that's really, like, inappropriate and dark for children, like Sausage Party, it's not, like, you know, not going to be rated well because those, I'd say the that art style, just typical 3D animated film, and, like... The message that was being conveyed in Sausage Party uh, was not... I don't know. That's the only example I can think of when it comes to inappropriate films that look like kids' movies. Yeah. Um, like, I don't... It didn't get great ratings because that, you know, it just doesn't match. But I feel like when it comes to, like, stop motion film, it's much more, like, aesthetically pleasing and something that an adult could go... could appreciate... And I think with that, you can add a lot more adult themes to it. Did you watch Mr. Meaty when it was on Nickelodeon? Yeah, I kind of I kind of uh, just got that out of my memory, and I try not to think about it, but I'm kind of yeah, starting yeah. to have flashbacks now that I think about it. That's what this is reminding me of. Like, I don't know. It wasn't claymation. I think I think they're puppets, but it was like stop motion, I think. Or it was yeah. something along those lines. But I'm just looking at the pictures right now, and oh, it is a terrifying show. They yeah, I don't so want to think. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm a little scared. I'm a little it's scared. so bad. But that's what they remind me of. Of like these these shows that you would think are for kids, and you would think, well, so we could. Uh, this is 3D. This is more 2D animation. But Netflix had uh, Big Mouth come out last mm-hmm. September, which was uh, Nick Kroll's TV show. Which I mean, it's called Big Mouth, so th- that's not really a, that bad of a name. And you know, Big House is like one of the most popular shows on Nickelodeon right now, or Disney Channel. I can't remember which one's on. But anyway, um, but it looks like a kid's show. It's got kids on the... It looks like it's all about kids, and you watch five seconds of it, and I would hope that no one under the age of 18 watched it. I mean, that is not for kids, and I don't think it anywhere spe- you know, specifically says not for kids, so it's a weird genre. Yeah. It's... Animation's weird. <laughs> it's like my favorite it. stuff to consume. Yeah, it's 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 a just a strange genre that I think it's because for so long, like you know, you look at like classic Disney movies like Lion King, uh, Beauty and the Beast, the Snow White, Cinderella. Like historically, animated movies have been for kids and have had like kind of childlike, whimsical themes to them. Um, and for a long time, at least like mainstream animation has been that way, but. I think with like, I think television added some interesting, you know, like the Sunday night animation. I don't even know if that's still a thing anymore, but like Family Guy, The Simpsons, a lot of, you know, Seth MacFarlane's work, uh-huh. I think really has innovated this animation that is not for kids, yet it's pandered more toward adults. Um, and I think that plenty of people, and I think plenty of like 
older people in particular still view animation as like kids movies like my my uncle for instance like never watches anything animation because he still thinks that you know every animated movie is directed toward kids and when you look at something like fantastic mr fox or isle of dogs or i really can't think of any other animated movie that isn't for kids quite honestly maybe it's just a wes anderson thing um but it's just a tv a lot of tvs that way yeah a lot of tv that way um and i mean it's just kind of a i'd say it's a newer thing it's a newer style of animation that we really um, haven't seen a lot of. I would say from like 1926 to up until like the 80s, 90s, it was all for kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was almost no adult animation and stuff like that. Then The Simpsons came out, and even The Simpsons in the beginning wasn't too crass, but it certainly mm-hmm. got there. And then Family Guy, South Park, uh, super got there. But this is like my favorite genre stuff to watch. Um, Archer, Rick and Morty, as annoying as Rick and Morty can be, it's still a good show. Um, definitely mm-hmm. for adults. But Archer is definitely like my favorite. Uh, BoJack Horseman, which is another Netflix show, which is yeah. just one of the best TV shows I've ever seen. Um, Bob's Burgers, Family Guy, American Dad, all those. Like it's such a, it's a it's a really popular genre because I think it's an easy thing to watch and you have unlimited possibilities. You can create whatever universe you want and have mm-hmm. just the most crazy stuff on a pretty decent budget. And you can have 30 seasons, as you can see from The Simpsons, when you can't really do that with characters that keep getting older and dying. And shows that shouldn't come back um, for another season like Roseanne. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that in there. Oh, getting, getting political with it, I see. Um, yeah, I think, and I think it's something like you look at, like, you know, Japanese culture when it comes to animation. Like, they're leaps and bounds ahead of us, like the amount, you know anime or whatever and stuff um which i haven't watched a lot of but actually you know has a lot of adult themes that is still kind of like kind of weird in america like things you know if you most most people see people that like watch anime as like weird when in reality like that's the norm in other countries and we just haven't reached a point where animation can represent something more than gag goofs and little kid humor and it's been so annoying recently there's been a couple celebrities come out like uh jordan uh michael b jordan came out saying he loves dragon ball z i'm pretty sure talked about naruto kim kardashian says that she watches anime and stuff like that and i think you're i think it's they're trying to make it just everything is counterculture nowadays and everything's ironic like you watch it ironically which mm-hmm. is so stupid but that's what humor is nowadays that's what like being funny on like twitter is just complete counterculture and stuff like that but i'm glad that it's i'm somewhat glad it's there because it gives things that aren't culture that gives them popularity and stuff like that which is good so i think anime is going to start falling into that more people will watch it i've i watched yeah. a pretty decent amount of anime i'm not a huge fan of there's only been a couple of shows i've really watched but i mean i know people that they've never watched any western tv because there's so many animes out there that have yeah. any story you could ever want a western story they have it just the same exact thing in an anime where you have more mm-hmm. possibilities of doing anything so i see why it's popular and i think this movie isn't an anime but it is based on japanese culture and stuff like that which was pretty prevalent without the movie throughout the movie and stuff like that there's that one line about um they killed all the girl dogs um i can't remember what oh the yeah line was. yeah i remember that I yeah was born it was like, literally <laughs> nine uh, but they, you know, drown all the girl dogs. I was like, oh, man, right in the middle of the movie. I was like, hot take. Yeah, geez. <laughs> Japanese culture. Um, 
Yeah, and I think that kind of brings me to, like, that brings us to a point of, like, Wes Anderson's style, and this is something that I think he's regularly criticized for, and kind of, you know, reading about um, how other people feel about Wes Anderson movies. Um, I was talking to Kath, uh, one of the people that write on the website a lot, everyweekinamovie.com, if you want to uh, read our reviews instead of listening to us blab on for a while. Right. Um, just talking about, like, Wes Anderson's, like, style and his aesthetic compared to the tone of his films and somehow and sometimes like how they don't match up very well um and i think just reading about you know other people's criticisms of this movie and like whenever i get out of the movie and i'm like man i absolutely loved this there's nothing bad about it perfect film 10 out of 10 i usually go and read some different reviews of people that were critical of it just so i can have a better perspective and maybe understand like you know, the flaws of a movie, maybe not necessarily the flaws, but like stuff you could have missed, stuff like that. Yeah. The stuff you could have missed that, you know, could have been better. Um, and one of the things that I regularly read was like his, his style and his aesthetic sometimes overwhelmed, like the, the plot and the tone of the movie and like the, the, the mood that was trying to be expressed could, was sometimes kind of overwhelmed by like this pretty stop motion film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I can't really like point out any specific moments, but there were there were some points. Like for instance, that point where the the three or however many dogs were like supposedly incinerated. It was like one of those things that in most movies would be a very dramatic sequence. In any other movie, the little boy would be crying. We'd have an emotional response from Chief who, after all this time, still really loved his dogs. But in reality, it would, they were just kind of whatever with it. Um, and I think that, <laughs> I think that just kind of adds, that just kind of adds to Wes Anderson's aesthetic of just kind of this, like, mystical, kind of carefree, wondrous, like, uh, worlds that he creates. Did you ever see that SNL skit, um the Wes Anderson, it was like a parody of like a Wes Anderson horror movie trailer. Mm-mm. Um, it's, it's very funny and it's really well done and really matches like Wes Anderson's aesthetic. But the whole thing is like, it's like a scary movie, but it's not scary at all because like, while it does have these traditional horror movie conventions, it's in a Wes Anderson style. So it's just kind of very silly and not to be taken seriously. And I, I think that, is one of the big I mean I haven't seen a lot of, a lot of Wes Anderson but the stuff I have seen I wasn't necessarily emotionally tied into it I I've I cared about these characters I really enjoyed like the movie and learning about them and who they are but at the same time the fact that like you know three or four of the main characters that we see for a lot of this film just happen to die in an incinerator disappear, yeah and like the fact that I didn't really feel a lot of emotional response to that um, just kind of leads to the fact that like his aesthetic and his style can sometimes take away from like the dramatic tension of his movies. I feel that there's some, I don't know what this movie, I think it's cause Fantastic Mr. Fox like was so good. And I, I wasn't trying to compare it to that movie the whole time, but like, mm-hmm. I just felt like there was something missing from this movie the whole time I was watching it. So, like, when I, right after I got out of the theater, I tweeted about it. I said I gave it a 7 out of 10. I probably gave it an 8 out of 10, being a little further away from it. Um, 
like so it's a super solid movie it's a really good movie i'd love to see it again i think i'll enjoy it more a second time but there's just i don't know what it was there's just something missing i don't know if i just i didn't care much for the story i think i mean it's an interesting story but i don't know i don't know what it was from the whole movie i think it's kind of part of that like how i felt like i was really caring about these characters but as soon as the rex king boss and duke as soon as i thought for like 10 minutes that they were done i didn't care i'm like okay the movie the story keeps going like i yeah. i thought i really liked those characters but i'm not really missing them right now and when they came back it was they came back for like one scene to fall into the water and then i don't remember seeing them really talk again yeah not really so i think i don't know i can't put my finger on what it is exactly what i think it's missing i think it was super good i thought the humor was good i love the voice acting is i mean some of the best voice acting you're going to find in west anderson films it's oh I mean, yeah partly because these are some of the these are like a-list stars or you know a to b-list stars that he has in his movies but also the dialogue is supernatural he's never asking them to do too much i don't think i think he's he just asked them to have conversations with each other these are kind of witty quick back and forth conversations yeah. stuff like that supernatural dialogue that i really enjoy mm-hmm. um but i i just i don't know i don't know what it is but there's just something missing from this movie for me i can't think yeah. of what it is though yeah, for me, it would take a second take to kind of watch it to fully understand, like, how I feel about it. Yeah, it was it was one of those that, like, I really enjoyed, but it just didn't emotionally, like, stick with me. I wasn't like, wow, like, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen, just because, like, it was very pretty, it was very beautiful, and it was good to look at. Like, there were plenty of uh, points in that movie that are like, man, I'd have that as a computer wallpaper, or I'd have that printed and put on my wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that can only do so much for me as, like, in audience member and i think i think this movie kind of lacked like the sentimental value that other films i really enjoy have because i didn't feel like a lot of emotion other than like wow that looks pretty good um so i yeah i'd I'd give it like a i'd i'd give it maybe closer to a nine out of ten as far as a film goes like it was definitely something that stuck with me more than most films do um it was better than the one we than uh, early man. It was definitely better than early man. Yeah, definitely. I think, I I think it just did some different things with story and narrative, and like, never have I seen a movie that had any sort of like plot resemblance to this really. Um, when it comes to like, yeah, there's a dog, and we gotta find him on this dog island full of big old dirty dogs that eat each other. Um, it was. It was not a, not a film that I had seen before, and it was very unique, and I enjoyed it, and I'll probably watch it again. I agree. Yes. Well, everybody, thank you very much for listening to Every Week in a Movie, the podcast where we talk about movies. My name is Ben Harris with my co-host, Taylor Becker. Uh, we'll be back next week with your favorite film, National Treasure. Yep. Thank God. Nicholas We're Cage. finally doing it. We're doing it's it, baby. Coming out, <laughs> coming out this next weekend. It looks really good. We're going to talk about it. I'm in. Nicholas Cage, here we come. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye.